Hello and welcome back to the I Am Certain That This Is A Podcast podcast. I am your host, Mark Paul Freeman, here today with Anna Paul Freeman. Hello. Daniel Fogato. Hello, hello. And special guest for today, Anna's mother, Jan Quick. Hello. And your mother-in-law. Yes, Mark. <laughs> it's true. Oh, no. We're actually here in a different location today, which uh, is kind of fun. There's a lot of natural light on a gloomy, rainy day at Jan's house, but very cozy. We're all sitting on couches. It's going to be great. It's the first time we've done this podcast in daylight. <laughs> That's true. true. It's, usually, it's usually quite dark in our living room, mm -hmm. um, but we brought the rig elsewhere today to talk about Anna's song, Ache, track number eight on the album. Mm -hmm. Let's get into it. You said to me at one point, that the song was less about you identifying it with suffering for yourself and more about how it, you see it happening, how you see it playing out in other people's lives. Can you just kind of go yeah. on a tangent on so that? So I wrote the song, I guess this song started as a poem. It's had multiple melodies and like chord progressions and everything. But um, the top of the lyrics of the song literally says first attempt at poetry colon. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> that's what the lyrics are. But it, I wrote it cause I was so broken over some of our really deep close friends who were struggling with fertility. And as like a last ditch effort did in vitro fertilization and none of their babies made it. And it was the most like, heartbreaking um thing and so that's what the feeling of like aching is what came from that um so that's what i started writing about um the where it says aching hearts weary bones hopes that break i think weary bones is about my mom because her the cancer that she has is in her bones and it was all in that season of like everyone every single human has to walk through such brutal suffering, regardless if you're a Christian. And that's some of the questions are like, sometimes you think, at least if you grow up in church, you kind of think or you hope that like, if you're a Christian and you believe that you'll be spared from some of it, I don't know, or like it won't be as bad or something because we have the answer. We have like life and life abundantly, but it, still seems to be the story that people who have faith yeah. or don't have faith still walk through this this depth of suffering and so i think that's where this one came from the thing i kept thinking about as you guys were talking was it's I, and i don't mean to dog on this in in the sense of like the western evangelical church like everyone does these days but but there is a big difference between a western mindset and an eastern mindset and the idea of the Western mindset being math more mathematical and rationally based, where it's like we have specific boxes in the way that we process reality and life and uh, equations and problems. And I, it, that doesn't seem to me to be as apparent in Eastern thought hmm. or way of being, which is more like your whole self is experiencing this thing and it's your body and it's your emotions and it's your community. And interesting to think about Christianity as like, in its form now that we kind of engage in as more derivative from like a philosophy of being, you know what I mean? In terms of Western culture than actually like the way that God presents life. Mm -hmm. It's just really interesting to think because of so many cultures, I mean, every culture suffers, right? Every, yeah. everyone yeah. suffers, but it's how, 
how you explain it and how you find meaning in it that's feels like the difference between my cultures. husband and his dad always says god's not an american right yeah and that's a shock mm-hmm. to the american church right that life abundantly is cannot mean the american dream right right but that life abundantly means it is abundantly full of jesus he is with us we are not a, god god um god with us god emmanuel it's his name that in it he is with us not that he's there to give us you know health wealth and the pursuit of happiness or whatever that is yeah yeah it's true and the second half of the song i wrote like last year so the the first the verses and everything um came i think it was 2018 and all the chorus used to be was come lord jesus but then i added more of that kind of call and response um piece to it which i i do like there's like the that mixture of like the come lord jesus is that theme but then there's also this like i don't know come on all these things that you do like wipe away the mud like you can give us sight you can help us you can come um all while knowing that the way that he chooses to come is a lot of times not the way that i'm expecting or asking mm-hmm. <laughs> looks different than what i think in the moment but and to yeah. realize that if we are in a time of suffering it's not every minute of every day mm-hmm. yeah. even if we're in a really hard brutal season it's not every minute of every day i i'm not saying unless i i believe a spouse death or a baby death mm-hmm. could be every minute of like every tragedy. day for a season yeah. but probably it isn't for the rest of your life and in the suffering isn't the only place he is but for me at least he is the, that is the deepest place he is i remember thinking um when Mark and I were struggling with fertility, which was, um, it really was not long. And I always want to quantify that uh, in the grand scheme of fertility struggles, but it felt very real and it felt very hard in that season. But I, the like phrase for me that came to mind that I kept just, it just kept popping up was this idea that there's something sacred about suffering. That there's the what? Something sacred about suffering. There's something that, Jesus moves through suffering in a way that he doesn't move through other things. And um, I mean, I don't love that. I think most people don't love that, but it's, it just seems to be the, the truth of it. And it's his name, the man of sorrows. That's who he is when he's telling us who he is. I'm with you and I'm the man of sorrows. That's the wild thing because it's like, to me, part of the sacred element of that is... When I hear you say that, immediately the first thing that came to mind was nothing of it is wasted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. the, and I don't mean that in the like preachy sermon, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. don't waste your life, kind of, but like literally like nothing's wasted mm-hmm. in that. And there's like actual like, yeah, it just feels like there's actual like real meaning as a part of it, even if we can't see the like thread of it. You know what I mean? And And not to say that like, we're going to gain some sort of enlightenment from it, but that there's actual, like, it's not the end of the story either. That's the really beautiful part about it. Hmm. And I think that's the struggle with suffering and conversations about suffering, especially it feels like in the church, though I'm sure this is true for people who aren't Christians and have no faith. There's this desire to like, 
people, it feels like people make it trite. Well, mm-hmm. well, God's in control. You know, okay, that was suffering. That's real. But if you trust God, then you should be able to trust God with your suffering. It's mechanical. Yeah. And even if you were to go out of the church and like talk about karma and it's like, well, that it's very unfeeling, the concept of karma, like you have suffering. So that means that's because you probably did some bad things and you had it coming to you and like you deserve it, which is also heart, a heartbreaking thing to say to somebody. We don't know what to do with the depths of suffering and look on the bright side, find the, find the good. I don't know. Sometimes it can feel so like unfeeling towards the towards someone who it like is truly aching like their their heart and i don't know it seems like there's a part of you were talking about distraction earlier my wife talks a lot about that because she's becoming a therapist and her word for it not her word for it but the word she uses a lot is disassociation Mm -hmm. you know disassociating from Mm -hmm. reality yes and i do wonder if part of the issue with it is I wonder sometimes when we're going through something and it becomes trite or mechanical for either those that are trying to speak into it or for the person going through it, it's almost this feeling of, I can't handle this amount of pain. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know? And so like the pain experienced versus what I want to experience is like the, the proportion of that ratio is off, which part of me, like absolutely like Jesus meets us and all that in meets us in suffering he's with us he's understands it and also there's a part of it too that like humanity's so much more resilient Mm -hmm. than we give it credit for um and so part of me also wonders how much of it is just our unwillingness to just sit with it and trust that there's like we can come out on the other side whatever the other side means and there's like goodness in like there's goodness throughout the whole process even but it feels like we are so binary in our thought of what good is you know so good is okay nothing bad's happening but good is good can also mean i have my sanity and i have my heart and i have my mind and i have my body and i have my community and i have my family you know like whatever the goodness is in life those things are present at the same time while you're going through all these things you know or even the idea of love and mercy like those things are still present with us and yet sometimes um for instance to say to a woman who's finally facing the fact that her daddy raped her her entire childhood it's okay for the only good in the moment is that someone will sit with her not even give her a word there's no word she's just for the first time not alone And she has the freedom to not trust you yet. Why would she? Sometimes the suffering, what makes the suffering, I don't know that it's bearable for her, but just that she's not alone. And that's all there is. And it's so easy for us to want to get that fixed up. Um, Because we can't handle the weight of her suffering. Because we can't handle it. Yeah, that's true. And I just think it's imperative that we as the church are patient and still and allow people to speak the unspeakable because we don't want to hear it. Well, great. Well, that woman lived it. So she gets to say it in however that comes out. And it isn't 
I think I think we can be so in Christianity so afraid of the anger, of the unbelief, of the the words that come out of the mouth of someone who is in intense suffering. But you don't find that in the Bible, and that's what I struggle with. When you see like the Old Testament, for example, and you see people weeping and tearing their clothes in sackcloth and ashes because of the depths of somebody dying, you know, they're and they, Tamar's rape. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the mourning and the, the period of mourning. Mm-hmm. And it's even built into the laws of, mm-hmm. of the, yeah, the this, laments. Yes. Mm-hmm. This period of lament, this period of mourning, but then nowadays, and I, I mean, of course I'm kind of on my soapbox about like social media and technology, mm-hmm. but I do think at any moment we can get our fix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can get our, our fix of, of a, any myriad there's like a hundred things i can go to right Mm now to um distract distract or just like create a padding around my heart Mm -hmm. of some of some sort of buffer so that Mm -hmm. way i don't it's not doesn't sting as much there you know i'm i'm muting it or doling it somehow and it's incredibly hard to sit there and not go to those things when it like you just have this tiny little rectangle in your hand at any moment that you can get out of the pain. And I think, I don't know, it's just nowadays that is our culture and we have to fight for it, fight for that ability to enter in to the uncomfortable and to the suffering and to feel it. But that to me goes back to, we don't have a way of knowing how to express it. Mm-hmm. Like culturally, yeah. we don't have a way of expressing. Like my mom is, my mom is full Brazilian. My dad's Portuguese. My mom is probably one of the most expressive people I've ever met. She's toned down a little bit after <laughs> you know many years, but like it was when we would visit our family in Brazil. It was just like it was actually like overwhelming how much like emotion and expression there was. You know, especially coming from an American context. But that to me is, I think that the thing, it's almost like you're having to retrain yourself and your community on like, how do you even just vocalize? Yeah. I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Things are not okay. Because you make is, everyone around you so uncomfortable. Yeah, different groups <laughs> right. are going to respond. <laughs> yeah. Which makes right. you feel less okay. Right. Because now everyone's uncomfortable that you're right. admitting you're and not so okay. So maybe you right. did something so wrong. So you're, fight, you're yeah. like fighting to, it's almost like you're fighting to be seen and heard. Uh, I think a lot about this in the music I make too, but for myself, like I'm just doing this for me kind of thing. But you're right, because that's the crazy making thing. You're like, oh wait, now you feel uncomfortable <laughs> because I'm saying that but I I'm- feel uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, uncomfortable. But that's why I think I think the the darker songs that you're you've worked on are actually not more important, but they're really important because I mean that's why we have Leonard Cohen. You know what I mean, like. I think the last record he made was maybe one of the darkest records he's ever made. And it's very, 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 very important to have that record in the world, you know? Um, yeah, it's interesting because our, our culture is not really fighting for that in a lot of ways. We're fighting to be seen and heard, but we're not really fighting to like learn how to express properly. And to empathize and be with people in their, yeah, darkness. Yeah, yeah. Or even in our own. Yeah. To just be still for a second. Uh, she talks in the book about, in the prayer in the night, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. About the silence, the prayers of silence, where you just 
have to be still so that your brain can shut off enough that you can learn what your heart is even saying. Mm -hmm. And all of the things that surround us now are all ways to keep our brain busy and loud and talkative so that we don't have to listen to what our hearts are actually saying. I worry sometimes about our grandchildren. Yeah. And this generation that has so many ways to avoid mm -hmm. and distract and not feel. And they're just children. They don't have any sense about this isn't good for me. They're kids. Yeah, I mean, this conversation even for me is like uncomfortable because, <laughs> because it's like I didn't learn, you know, Dan, what you were saying, like I didn't learn the practice or like the skills really to know how to suffer and be like okay with that and so it's funny like i agree with the content of the song and what it's about but i don't know how to actually do that yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah and so like i don't have a lot to say right now even because i'm like yeah like this just make like thinking through how i also need this right um is just it's challenging i think yeah, and I think sometimes, I don't know, you can feel free to disagree with me on this one, but I think sometimes this is where the the modern, I would even say non-denominational church especially, but I'm sure there's more of them. We go to a non-denominational church, which I love, but you miss out. Like if you just look at like the Old Testament and all these, um, the things in the calendar year that they did to remember yeah. over and over and over yeah. again, practices, things you had to do, and like that all different feasts, different, um, I don't know, all sorts of things, the sacrifices that you had to do with your hands. And it was all put in place. So that way we knew what to do or there was some help and there was a community and there was some direction. Like yeah. now we have nothing. We don't do any of that because, and it's good. It's good that we don't have to do sacrifices in order to be clean mm -hmm. to God, you know? But on the other hand, we don't have anything to remind us. And if you take everything away, except for like just going to church on Sunday, well then like, like to your point, Mark, you're like, well, this sounds good in theory, but like in practice, how does one go about just feeling the searing pain of life? Like, you know, I think that it's a good question. So I'm, I, I don't think I'm going to include this in the podcast because I'm talking too much. I have a question. <laughs> I So something just occurred to me when you were saying this. I wonder if a huge part of that is because our faith was coming out of Judaism. And I do wonder if a huge part of that was whatever the culture was and the culture evolving in, inside of Christianity over time. I wonder if a huge part of it was the fact that we took the idea of rituals and sacrifices to mean the same thing. Yeah, because we got rid of the rituals and the we sacrifices. We got rid of all of well, it. Well, but not really. If you look at the Catholic Church still, right. they have a good amount. Like, you know, we're in the season of Lent right now when mm -hmm. we're recording this. I have no idea when it's going to be out. But there there are things even if you look at um, Maundy Thursday or like things that the, uh, I almost said Presbyterian, the Protestant Church, yeah. I think, right, you know, you can, you can make all these things of like, yes, of course, these things can turn into legalism. Yes, of course. You can go to church 
with a very legalistic heart and just try to check off the boxes to be clean for God. But then if you also get rid of all the practices because you're trying to not be legalistic, what's left? Oh, it's overcorrection. Yes. What What's yeah. left to remind you? Which sad- If you say, I'm not going to read my Bible because I don't want to be legalistic, but you never open your Bible again. Is that net positive? Or net negative. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to have a legalistic heart, of course. And I feel so burdened and heavy for people whose understanding of God is that God, you need to do these things because God's mad at you. And you have to clean yourself up because otherwise God's going to be mad at you. Of course, that's heartbreaking. But sometimes, you know, you want to add these things. This is way off topic. No, I think it's on topic because that's actually a trauma response to overcorrect and go, I'm going to run in the exact opposite direction of what's happening is a direct response to something acutely painful that one is experiencing. So it makes sense in the idea of like the Protestant Reformation where it's like, yeah, not all of that is wrong, but there's definitely a large part that was like completely lost in the like, okay, Mm -hmm. now we're out. You know what I mean? At the risk of sounding like an old person. Yes, please do. I would also like to say that I don't quite understand this but it seems to me that sin, naming sin, sin, calling a sin a sin, is out of style. <laughs> and now the things that are supposed to bring us to Jesus are the things that were done to us. So victim narrative. Not the things that we have done. Yeah. And much of ritual and the feasts and the sacrifices were to remind us of our need mm-hmm. because of our sin. And that's not in style anymore. I don't really think the Bible cares that that's not in style anymore. Um, And so we throw out the whole concept of sin because we don't want to be legalistic. And I think we've lost the framework of what this was all for. It cost Jesus a lot because of our sin. But that is the name of the game right now, right? The the culture's mantras are things like, you do you, you can do you, I do me. And we can't say that either one of us are ever wrong. Mm -hmm. It's okay for us to coexist in the same space and disagree with each other. Which is true. Which is true. I was going to say there's some of that that I think is very good and very healthy. But on the other hand, we are all... For Mark's word, I was going to say, we're all douches. I mean, I don't know what else to say. But, you know, honestly, and yeah, like Mark yeah. and I have been married for 10 years. Neither one of us could look at each other and say we've never sinned against each other. Like the other person would just look that at us be and be pathological. like, what? Uh, ha ha. Like, yeah. obviously. And my children. Can I literally live a life and not have a broken heart over the ways I sin against them? They know it. And if I never admit it, they're going to grow up thinking that, you know, they had a mom who did all of these things, obviously, but could never admit it. And what is that going to do for them? Like, I don't know. G.K. Chesterton says when they asked him what is wrong with the world, and he said, I am. I am. My favorite mm-hmm. quote. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite, too. Yeah. Because it's the truth, and it's not the thing that people espouse today mm-hmm. is wrong with the world. Nobody says, I am. They say, you are. <laughs> Which, to go back to your what you were talking about, about distraction. Mm -hmm. If we can't sit with the fact that Mm -hmm. I am the problem, Mm -hmm. then it makes perfect sense why our culture is Mm -hmm. is where we are. Right. Yeah. That makes it. To quote the great theologian Taylor Swift. 
it's me. Hi. Hey, she did. I'm the she problem. Came out it's me. Said it. <laughs> Let's go, Taylor. I've never heard that song in my life, but I believe you. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also important to acknowledge that we have. It is very. I don't know of any podcast where somebody's brought in a family member to talk. For real, and I think that that's the other interesting benefit because you grew up here, right, Anna? In this house? No, not in this house, but you grew up in the Seattle area. Yeah. So you grew up in a city where a lot of people move to, a lot of young people move to, to either go to school or go to work. And like, you're also processing this stuff out loud in the dynamic of a family, in the safety of a family. Mm -hmm. And that I think is also a very foreign thing at this point in culture. I don't know that that's the norm anymore. That people bring their moms on a podcast to talk about suffering? <laughs> yes, exactly. No, I don't know that it's a norm for people to process this stuff in the safety of family. I yeah. agree with that. That, yeah. that well, just seems like a foreign concept. I mean, I have that now with my family. We didn't always have that, but you guys clearly have that. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And the fact that you feel safe enough to even have these conversations in the safety of family feels really, really, really important. Because that's so much of... I, I do wonder, you know, talk about the rituals in the Old Testament. Like, that's a communal mm -hmm. thing. You, like, you grew up with these people, the elders of the community are mm -hmm. people that the community pointed to be the wise people, you know, the wisest people. Um, so there's a safety there of going through all that stuff. And I just wonder how much that's missing, where it's like, it is a very individualistic, okay, I'm, I'm 18, now I'm going to go do my thing, and good luck, mm -hmm. you know. talk about this song there's a cool trombone part i was gonna say if you <laughs> want to go into some of not. the <sighs> this was an interesting one from a recording perspective how it changed sonically <laughs> was this the one that i made you cry <laughs> yeah you did. did you hear about this story no i made her cry i feel i have actually felt really bad <laughs> about all of it well, you should <laughs> yeah yeah, Dan and I got in a fight about this song. We did. This one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why? I walked out in a in a huff and then felt, and I cried about a, an artistic difference. And I felt like I'd finally arrived as like an <laughs> artist, you know? Yeah. I got a phone call. She yeah. was like sitting on the curb outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just couldn't figure out what to do with it. Oh. We couldn't figure out well, the music. Well, how it's yeah. beautiful right now. We were. Uh, it's long, much different from how it started. This was yeah. toward the end of the week, mm -hmm. correct? Maybe. I think this Were was we like tired? second. Well, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I think this was like second to last day, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I think that's right. And, and it was 90. It was very, very hot. And the whole thing that happened with, I, I, the thing that stressed me out, which wasn't anyone's fault, but like we had planned to have. I was going to have the kids and yes, then they got sick. Yes. Oh, and then yeah. so we're just managing all that stuff. I, in my head, I'm like, we, 
only have the studio for x amount of days mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i don't have another space to go to besides my at that point the back house of the back room of my house which is super tiny and i just remember getting to this song specifically and every song basically what we had done in the process was you would play me this i we did pre-production everything but you would play me the song right before we started recording and then we would adjust keys and see if we need to change anything i just remember this one specifically you're like i don't want to change anything on this one <laughs> do you remember that i think at that point i was there was a lot of well i don't want to get into like our nitty-gritty here but uh there was a lot of chord changes yeah. and i was like i like the chord progression of this song is yeah. what i said yeah and then you said you really didn't so then we <laughs> we had it and then i cried you told me what i actually said which was really rough you said i have a visceral response <laughs> i i so don't i feel so strongly i have how much i don't like this or something like that <laughs> <laughs> so we just didn't know where to go from there yeah and i don't know what you had coming in at that point because at this point i had mostly the same chord progression that we ended up with and i had work we had pre-production worked out the chord progression i think that's why i didn't want to change yeah, yeah. it because you and i already had back and forth landed on something and i was like i like what we have yeah um and it was so late in the game that it was kind of like no really this one now you don't like this one and mm -hmm. then we ended up doing something still relatively similar mm -hmm. to what i had brought in um, but this it took, is just creative genius yeah. at work. Well, it just took so much back and forth. And then what ended up making the song was that we had had, his name is Bessie and he came in to play the horns for, um, the song. I am certain, which was the main one we wanted like a whole horn mm -hmm. section. And it, we had like a little bit of time and we just were like, uh, do you want to just, we'll just play you this song. Do you just want to play along with it? And then that's what the trombone is. He just started playing and both Dan and I kind of looked at each other like, Oh my gosh! This is like sad trombone. This mm -hmm. is somehow like it so became the smoky jazz club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, that's I, exactly what I was gonna say. We the entire time we kept thinking of the song as like a smoky jazz yeah. club. Oh, totally. Thing, you yeah, know? and I think that is what kind of made the song start to make sense yeah. of what we were gonna do with it. But yeah, I I think I came back in laughing. Look at you two working it out. <laughs> it is. It was forty five minutes. It was a forty five minute break, and I was like. Okay, I think uh, I gotta go back. I gotta go. I, I was going out to find you and just be like, "Hey, I'm so I'm sorry. Let's figure this out." Kind of thing. <laughs> but I also wanted to give you space to feel what you were feeling, you know? Yeah. Because it's it's a lot. It's it's also a lot to make a record. Yeah, it's a it lot is. of emotion. It's a lot of giving of yourself, like especially time this kind of record. And you yeah. have to have really it's about thick emotion. skin. Mm -hmm. You have to have really thick skin yep. to write stuff that's really vulnerable and then just say, "Pick it apart." here, go for it. And I think I was going with it for a certain point. And this was just the point in which I like had to break a little bit and be like, <laughs> yeah, I, I would hard. actually like to say, I think it was more le less thick skin, more of being open to being vulnerable. Like the risk, the risk of having someone pick apart your, your thing. You That's know what I mean. mean. You yeah. have to have thick skin in order to let somebody. Yeah. Change what your, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Well, yeah, change in the in the creation process. Mm -hmm. But now, I mean, this we're recording this a week before the whole thing comes out, and now it's going to be risk on the what do people yeah. think of this? Yeah, you know, which is a whole other layer. Um, you wonder why I have anxiety sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of vulnerability. Anytime 
that you're honest and vulnerable in front of others. It's nerve wracking. And if it isn't, you're not being vulnerable. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. If it doesn't cost you. I do think that's worth talking about the AC unit. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Mark, I'd like to well, hear this from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, the I, I was actually in the conversation about the horns. I forgot what the order was for when we were doing drums for this. But uh, in that whole story about our kids getting sick and Anna and I were swapping time in the studio and couldn't just be there and have like this quick feedback loop. So Anna was home with them at this point. I was trying to do drums with Dan. We had some ideas that were a bit different from the initial thing. You kept you know, sending this, them to me. This kind of Tom thing with no, it was, it was more loose and I have uh, no real recollection of that. Yeah. Okay. And so we, there was a we lot of doing, back and forth on the drum beat. You guys, was yeah. that this there, one? That yes, was that. there oh, was okay, a drum okay. beat you sent so me and I remember. Two of, it was just yeah. the two of us. Yeah. I had this idea. It was like, a, whatever. It's what essentially you're hearing on it, on the song. And we would send it back to Anna and she was just like, I hate it. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. What is this like the jungle dance or something? <laughs> I and I was like, oh no. Like we thought we both like this actually, you know, whatever. And it's like super hot, you know, whatever. We're figuring all this out. It's like and 92 degrees in the studio. Yeah. It's, above it's an upstairs. Yeah. Literally like we had bought chocolates and they were com oh, melted. completely melted. <laughs> completely <laughs> melted. We're just roasting in there trying to finish this last you know, drum thing in between takes and turning on the AC. Yes. So there's an AC <laughs> yeah. unit sticking out the window. And at some point in time, I think we forgot to turn it off and we were still recording a take. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it just was like that, that little spark of an idea that you're sitting there with your headphones on kind of listening to the whole thing. And you're like, it was a gap. There was a gap in the well, drum. I'm, I'm listening to the take thinking that the sound that's coming through is from the AC unit. So I didn't realize at that point that like, oh, it's in the take. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So you thought Perfect. it was on still or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Whatever. We had either accidentally recorded it or we had just forgot to turn it off and you were then hearing it yeah. at the same time. And you're like, wait, hang on a second. This sounds cool. And you just like sat there for like 60 seconds of silence, kind of like listening to the to the unit and kind of how it was just being picked up from the side of the room into the mics that were over the drums. You're like... I just want to record like a bunch of this and we'll just see what happens, yeah. you know? And yeah. so that was, that was the end of it. I mean, it was that sound made it in to kind of like fill this eerie it's just looped. space. Yeah. It's looped over uh, and doubled or whatever. Well, it's, it's actually kind of cool because it's a few things going on. The AC unit is on while Mark is playing. Mm -hmm. And then there, which was really cool because right before the bridge, I think you hear the air kind of like yes, come up swells, and that's yeah. actually just the compression kind of letting up from the attack of the drums and mm -hmm. so all of a sudden the you know the quietest thing becomes louder which is the air yep but then there's also i think at some point i did make a loop of something that's kind of running in the back of it i yeah. just yeah you added more on top yeah the thing that i loved about it was that it's not something that i can really recreate <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, it's for like sure. it was for that thing and that's it's yep. that thing only it has this like strange pitch to it kind of yep. this like texture but then yeah it adds in this this deeper substance that kind of comes in and goes back out. And I thought it worked out pretty cool. Yeah. I'm glad we fought for it. It became one of my favorites on the record. No, I think it's just natural. Anytime you're doing something that, yeah, like my mom was saying that costs you something, anything that's people fight for it more. 
you care more. And so I think that's always natural having people that have opinions and they also like really want to do it justice. You want to do a good job. You want to have a song. If a song is about a heavy topic, you feel like you want to not be flippant with it. And so that's the other thing I love about this song is the lyrics match the tune. They go together. It is a darker, smoky song. And that's what it sounds like. I don't like it when it's, there's peppy tunes to heavy words. Yeah, me neither. Make your mind up. Which kind of song is it? <laughs> Make that song. Yeah. Yeah. It's more decisive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, and it helps me as the listener to enter in because I can experience all of it. I have no clue what you're talking about, the AC sound, because uh, that's not how I think. But the words and the melody that go together in such rich layers and depth, that's what I respond to. That's really cool. Mm. Thanks for writing the song, Anna. Yeah, thank you. So here's the song, Ache, in its entirety. Why do you let us ache? Aching hearts, weary bones, hopes that break. Will it be our fate to cry to weep to ache? Why isn't it different for yours, those you saved and redeemed? Don't give up the fire 